because we're going to be worshiping together. We have the privilege of uh, looking at the greatest event ever in the history of mankind. This is the very cornerstone of the Christian faith, the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is what our foundation is. There would be no Christianity if there was no resurrection. Of course, that is the very key cornerstone. The glory of the resurrection, the greatest of all events which is our hope. Jesus said that He is the resurrection and the life. The resurrection and the life. It marks new life. marks a new covenant. And we worship on this particular day, Sunday, the first day of the week, because that is when the first resurrection, as far as Christ is concerned, that's when that happened. And... The law was fulfilled in Christ in all totality and in everything. Of course, when we think of the law, we have to think of the Sabbath. And Sabbath was the day that Jesus was in the grave the day before that he resur resurrected. And that was the last authorized Sabbath as far as that particular day was concerned. It was the end of the Sabbath chronologically and it was the end of the Sabbath covenantally. And so here we stand in Christ. The resurrection is reported in all four Gospels. It's seen, of course, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You will see it frequently through the book of Acts because every time the apostles or someone is preaching the Gospel, the resurrection is right at the heart of that. The death, burial, resurrection. That is the core gospel. The whole theme of the New Testament is really built upon, around the resurrection. We're going to be in chapter 28 this morning in Matthew. And we will ask you this. Have you ever had a situation in your life, some kind of a circumstance, that was a loss, a tragedy, something that was very perplexing to you. I think all of us would probably say, yes, that has happened. Some would probably say more than once. But at any rate, have you ever had it where you just couldn't figure it out? You didn't know what was going on. What is happening, Lord? Uh, you believe Christ. You believe in the Word of God. But at the same time, you really wrestle with that word, sometimes it seems like you become unbelieving. It's not that you are an unbeliever, but you come to a point where you tend to disbelieve it in some way. We would hope not, but it can get to that point, and that's wrestling. But here's the key, what we're going to be looking at today. Remember God's word. Remember the Word of God, how life-giving it is, and how faith-producing the Word of God is. So it's very key to live your life in the Word of God and remember it, because it's awful easy to forget things from the Word. Now Matthew draws attention to the reaction of the women that went to the grave of Christ and the apostles had all sorts of different kind of reactions at the same time dealing with this resurrection. 
And so as Matthew presents it here, he is he's just pointing out facts and truth. Now, if we were to make up a story that thousands of people would read, we'd want to make it in the best light of us that we could and try to omit anything that would be negative. Well, what we will see today is that there were things like maybe some sadness, uh, some doubts, disillusionment that was happening with the apostles, even with the women that went to uh, to the tomb of Christ that Sunday morning. They still had some things that they were dealing with in this sad time. Jesus had just been crucified and died on Friday. And here it is Sunday now, first day of the week. Matthew records these reactions, these emotions. Why? Because that's just the way that it was. That's the way it happened. So we're going to look into the resurrection of Christ. And we are going to see the closest people to him while he was here on earth and how they had to deal with his death and this burial. They need to be reminded of what he had told them. So what we're going to do is we're going to go into Matthew 28, do the first seven verses. We're calling this a day like no other. It is one special day. Incredible. The very glory of God. In its biggest way. It's shining. On display. So the apostles, those women, were disillusioned, were decimated, dismayed, despondent, defeated. Some of the emotions that we would see there. But they are devoted. We want to make sure that we hit on that. Because that's a big part of the story here too. So we're going to look at the attitudes, the emotions, as these close associates, the apostles, people who had dealt in the ministry with Christ, they had lost Jesus, they thought, Jesus is dead. They're sad. They're scared. The apostles were on the run because they thought the next thing it would be them. And they too would be crucified. So, as the morning began to dawn on the first day of the week after Jesus had died on the cross, some of the women came to the tomb to finish preparing the body of the Lord for burial. And that had been started on that Friday right after the crucifixion with Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. And so the next day is the Sabbath. They can't do anything on the Sabbath. That would be work. So they had to wait another day. On the third day, he would arise. We know that. They don't know that. They don't understand that. So I do not in any way want to diminish the love and the devotion that these women had when they came there. Matthew is telling us here, though, here's the way that it went. 
and whatever else motivated these women to go to that tomb, it's based upon some unbelief, believe it or not, as they play a key role in this uh, resurrection story. They had not listened carefully to what Jesus had said. They didn't understand really what Jesus said and he meant. They didn't believe it. He's been saying it quite frequently that he would go to Jerusalem, he would be arrested, he would be crucified, he would be buried, and he would rise again on the third day. He has said that several times. The apostles heard that more than anybody as he would pull them aside and say, here's what's going to happen when we go to Jerusalem. So anyway, there they come. It says in Matthew 28, verse 1, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn, toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. So there they are. And there are other women that are listed in correlating passages through the other Gospels. They came to see the grave. Did they come to see the resurrection? No. That's really what was happening. But they didn't come to see the resurrection. They came to see a dead corpse. They came to see the corpse where they could bring their smelling stuff, to where he would not be corrupted, at least as long as they could hold it out, because of their devotion to him, paying their last respects and honor to him. Now this is the third day. We know on the fourth day, this is the custom of the, the Jewish people, that the fourth day would be a day of where corruption really starts. And we remember that Lazarus was reported to Jesus that he had died. And it was after three days. And Lord, he stinketh. Uh, that wouldn't mean that he was corrupted and the body was decaying. It would be quite a stench. So here it is. They're coming there on the third day and trying to keep it from spoiling out as quick as it possibly could. Now they have no idea. <clears throat> As they move towards the gravesite, that it's guarded by Romans. Also, it was sealed by the Romans. They don't really know about that. They're just going there to do what they are going to do with their spices and such. They were anticipating coming to the garden, knowing that there would be a huge stone there that they would need some help from. And hopefully there would be a man or preferably men around to be able to get that stone removed so they could get inside and do that. So we, we start this off with knowing the kind of attitude, emotions that they have, feeling defeated, but yet devoted. And then we look at verse 2. And this is dealing with fear. Matthew 28 verse 2 says, And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. Well, it says, And behold. 
Whenever it says behold, you better be beholding. Because it's a powerful word. It means almost to shock. It means to uh, pull us up short. To startle us. This idea of behold. And there was a great earthquake. Behold, a great earthquake. It says here a severe earthquake. Not a little earthquake. This is severe. The kind that would do damage. Now, the Greek word for earthquake is seismos. We've heard of seismograph. They measure the results of this, uh, an earthquake. Seismos. And that's what that is. That word, it was a real earthquake. Because the women are approaching. Now, the epicenter of this earthquake is right there at the tomb. That's where the epicenter is at. And the women are feeling the ground rumble and shake. And they've got to be scared to death. It's very much of a time of fear. Their emotions, they really have to be getting caught up into it. They feel the earthquake. They don't really know what is happening. But it is a fearful thing. What caused the earthquake? Some would say it was the resurrection of Jesus. But that wasn't it. Because we get the answer right in this verse. It says, For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone, sat upon it. So it was the angel that descended and landed at the tomb site. This is something else. As he rolls back the stone, then he gets on it and sits on it. That would be quite a scene, don't you think? As there is the stone and there is an angel sitting up there. And uh, that's the way that it went. Well, why did he move that big rock? Why would he do that? Was that to let Jesus out? No, of course not. Uh, Obviously, Jesus in his resurrection body can go right out of that tomb and pass right through the walls. That's what he did in another appearance that he had later that night with the apostles. As he came into a room where they were at, he went in, went out, didn't use the door, just was here, and then he was gone. And so that's what is going on. Um, He was already gone when the women got there. And uh, so the real reason for that stone to be moved isn't so the women could look in there. It's proof that he's not there. Later on, uh, two of the apostles are going to look in there and he's not going to be there at that time either. He's gone. Now, in John 20, verse 2, probably about the same time, Mary, one of the women... Magdalene runs out of there. She hot foots it to Peter and John's house, wherever they're staying. I mean, and she goes to tell them because the body isn't there. It's almost like she's somebody stole somebody stole the body. And so she wants to tell the apostles immediately, and they would be to the leaders of the apostles, obviously. 
and the other women that were there stayed. They had quite an angelic experience. Uh, if you look at Matthew 28.3 now, it says, And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. This angelic appearance is incredible. Lightning, uh, white as snow, brilliant, glorious as it is. And that's what's going on. Uh, the blazing glory that's coming from this angel. And what's happening there? Well, he's representing the glory of God. He's not God, he's an angel, but yet at the same time, he is representing the very amazing glory of God's face shining like lightning. So we go on to verse 4. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. For fear of him, the guards did shake. Now that's interesting. Because the word for shake there is the same word that we used uh, whenever it was for earthquake. It's a root word of that. So it's equivalent to the same thing. They were quaking. The earthquake already stopped. But these Roman guards are still shaking and quaking. They're still experiencing a personal earthquake. And they're frozen. There they were to keep something from happening and something totally unexpected. They weren't anticipating at all and now happened. It's like a temporary coma comes over them. And they're, it's almost like they're not unconscious. And that's really what, what it is. It, it, they're not unconscious. They have a, like a coma. Fear was so strong to them, and this can happen, where fear can absolutely paralyze people. They become frozen, and they can't do anything. In this case, these men just went out for a while. And so, soldiers really had reason to fear, didn't they? The women actually don't have anything to fear. But they just experienced an earthquake here on the Sunday morning. There had been an earthquake two days before at the crucifixion of Christ. An incredible earthquake. And this one is an incredible earthquake. Located right at around that tomb. And so, you know, you would think, okay, they are going through some things. And they are. But it's interesting that the angel says, stop being afraid. In verse 5, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. You're looking for Jesus. I know why you're here. Stop being afraid. I know why you're here. They were here to see a corpse to anoint it. That's really why they were there. So, that's where we're at. And now we see what does God do with his own people who are fearful? Well, he takes care of us, doesn't he? And it's what we get to see here as we uh, move on. We see the graciousness of God as he has sent this angel here. He says, uh, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. 
God recognizes and knows their despair. He responds in grace. The Greek text here says that he was raised. In verse 6, he is not here for he has risen. Just as he said, come see the place where he was lying. Their understanding was feeble, but he's gracious. He was raised, it says here. He is risen. He is not here. He is risen. He is not here. He has risen. He has been raised. He's come out of death. Raised to life. Well, the Father did that. Romans 6, 4, it says the power of God. Power of the Father resurrected Christ. We also know that Christ had power to raise himself. John 10, 18, he says, I have power to lay my life down and I have power to take it up again. So the Father raised him up with power. He himself raised himself up in power. And he was raised by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit in Romans 8.11, it talks about the Spirit of God who raised him up, who resurrected him. So the angel says, he was raised as he said. He has arisen, just as he said. Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem. They're going to arrest me. They're going to crucify me. They're going to bury me. And the third day, I will rise again. That's the pattern. He never has changed it. That's what he said. And that's what he meant. It's interesting. In Luke 24, 8, corresponding with this, a little sentence here that really helps out and they remembered his words that is what we're really hitting at today we are to remember the words of Christ we are to remember the word of God we forget so easily and here it is they had forgotten that Jesus had said on the third day I will rise again why go to the tomb looking for him as the angel had said in one of the other gospel accounts I know what you're looking for you're looking for a corpse he has risen he's not here he has risen yes it's good news are they still understanding it but they catch it there in Luke 24 8 they remembered his words that has to cause an awe. And in verse 6, it says, He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Come see the place where he was lying, when he was dead. And then in Luke 24, verse 4, it says that first angel was joined by a second angel. I find that fascinating. Now you have two angels. And that explains why here we only have one angel. But in Luke we see another angel. 
You put them together, you put in the Gospels, and you have the full account. Um, this is a beautiful picture here. If you remember, the Old Testament has the Ark of the Covenant. At the Ark of the Covenant, you have the mercy seat. And on both sides of that mercy seat are two angels. One on one side and one on the other. And of course, pictures Christ. Christ is in the middle. He is the true mercy seat. Well, there it is realistically. He was there. Now you see the two angels later, and there they are, what would be where Jesus had been laying. And they were standing one side and then on the other side. This is where Christ is offered in as far as his burial, his death is concerned. This is the satisfaction to the Father. The mercy seat is. It's a place of satisfaction in that God is satisfied with the payment that has been made by His Son. A perfect payment for our sins. And so we get that thought about the two angels, one on each side, in John 20, verse 12. Now we go to verse 7 of Matthew 28. It says, Go quickly... And tell his disciples that he has risen among the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Go quickly. Tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. They were weak. They were hiding. They were expecting maybe the same kind of treatment that Jesus had gotten. Because they were followers of him. What grace that we see here. Tell his disciples he was raised from the dead. Tell his disciples that. Well, we know that when Mary Magdalene ran to go tell Peter and John, it's interesting that they had come back running themselves. They had quite a race. I guess they left Mary Magdalene behind. She'll come back later. Maybe she's following them. She had quite a run already into town. And so, here we have it. Peter, John. John beats Peter to the tomb. Looks inside. It's empty. Here, and that was John. Here comes Peter. <laughs> And he's just a little bit behind John, and it's like John's kind of in his way. I'm just, I'm just kind of reading this, if, if this really happened. And he's wondering, why, why aren't you on, on him there? It's open. And so Peter, being the kind of guy he is, we know his character and his nature. Uh, even though he came in second place, he goes right on into the tomb. And he sees what... He had been told that Jesus is not there. And of course that's where they see the clothes that have been there deposited just like somebody just stepped out of them, just kind of moved through there. And that's an interesting situation because those 
bands that were around around him, the clothes, the rags that had tied him together. It was just around and round and round and round. And it was all one piece. Jesus just passed through that. And of course the napkin that was bent on the forehead was laid perfectly there. And so it's showing that it couldn't have been some kind of grave robber. They would have been in a hurry to get out of there. There's no way that they would have tried to do the wrappings all together. How would you do that with nobody in it? Uh, once again, another proof there. Why did God choose these women to experience the first sighting of the angels and the absence of the body? Why would he use these women? Well... Probably because they were there. They went there. They took action to do it. And if anybody else would have been there, they would have seen this and experienced this too. But it's nice if you're there when the Lord does something really amazing. Isn't that nice that you're there? I'm glad I was there. The closer you stay to the Lord and whatever He's doing, the closer you are there, the more you're going to enjoy and be blessed with whatever it is that he is doing. Uh, you wouldn't want to miss something that was really big. This was huge. It was far better to be there and see this than just hear about it. What a blessing that they had. Even though they went there knowing or thinking that he was dead. And his body was there. Don't you like to be there when God is doing something in the church? Rather than missing it or just hearing about it? We should be wanting to be in the middle of things. Always knowing what's happening, what's going on with different people that are in the church. What a blessing we can get. People that are there when his word is taught. Get a blessing. If they miss it, they miss a blessing. People are there when people pray, they get a blessing. And when people are singing, we miss all the songs of the resurrection songs this morning where the whole church is singing for like an hour, singing all those great hymns and songs that we have sang for so many years. But, you know, I missed that. That's a blessing. That is a part of the church. One of those things, and some of those things we're missing is we don't be able to get together. So here we are. But when we fellowship together, when we eat together, it's a special time. And so when you're there, it does matter. And the blessings are there. So in the midst of their sadness and their unbelief that they've had on that morning, the Father took great pains in ministering to them, to the very needs of their heart. They were emotional wrecks with what has happened in the last few days. Aren't you glad the Lord really does care? Did you see what He's done here in this passage? Even though they missed what He said about becoming alive on the third day. They missed it. They forgot or they just didn't understand it. 
several mighty ways God did in this passage to encourage hearts, should uh, encourage us, saddened believers. Note a few things here that we've just seen this morning. So what kind of a gracious God that we have. He could have just resurrected and then that would have been it. And then nobody knows. Well, that's not going to fit in the plan because that proclaimed the resurrection. But they have to have some kind of proof. And they had plenty. But here's some of the things. He rolled the stone away from the tomb. The angel did. God sent that angel to do that. Representing the very glory of God. So they could get in there. It wasn't to uh, make way for Jesus to get out. But it was for them to be able to go in and see that he's not there. He is not here. He is risen. Another thing is that he sent an angelic message with the good news that Jesus was alive. He's alive from the dead. Never has the world ever heard a message like that. That is the one of the most tremendous or the most tremendous event that has happened in time, space, and matter. That Christ would raise from the dead and it proves that he is God. And it gives us life because of that. It still reverberates through the halls of time and it'll go all the way through eternity. The death, the burial, the resurrection. He is alive. Another thing that he did is that he had a word of encouragement for Peter. We see that in a, another passage. Peter had denied him and then in Mark 16, 7 we see that he encourages Peter. Another thing that he did is he met Mary Magdalene outside the tomb and spoke to her and she knew it was him. Another thing that he did is he left a message for his followers inside the tomb. It was serenity. It was order. The fact that that napkin had been wrapped around the Lord's face was folded and lying nearby neatly. That speaks volumes on what happened there. Jesus in his glorified body just passed through those grave clothes and there they just lay there without a body in them even though those wrappings were just the same wrappings that were around him. Nobody stole that body. There was no unwrapping by the grave robbers. What do we get out of this? Well, I think we've gotten a lot. God is very gracious. People tend to forget his words sometimes. But God still blesses. But it takes the word of God to be preached, to be read, to, to hear it constantly. So we will not forget when we need truth in our lives. What did Christ's resurrection defeat? Well, defeated death. And that allows us to defeat death. Oh, death, where is I sting? It defeated hell. It defeated sin. It defeated the grave. It defeated Satan. It 
total victory, total triumph in this resurrection. We can't speak about it enough. That's the heart of what the gospel is. Jesus on the cross says, It is finished. The work has been done. Redemption. That great work is finished. Of course, then he arose and proved everything that he had said, that he did. Our sins have been forgiven because of that. He is a living Savior. He ever liveth to make intercession for us on an ongoing daily basis. He intercedes for us. He is the great high priest. And our ultimate hope is that blessed hope. When we will meet, our souls will meet our new glorified body, a body not unlike what Jesus had, to be able to enter the kingdom of God that will be meant for eternity. What about now? Christian life is to remember Jesus' words. We cannot ever speak enough about the Word of God and getting it into our minds, thinking on it, meditating on it, dwelling upon that, the Word of God dwelling in us on this truth. It goes back to the Word of God. They remembered what He spoke. It was really from Him. They had heard it. They just didn't digest it but whenever they did realize that he had said it, it meant something now. And when you really believe the word of God, when you believe those words of Christ, in a literal sense, in the sense of what he's saying, is absolute truth, this is what he says, you believe it. When you do that, that's when the lights will come on. He was not in that tomb anymore. He has arisen. Jesus Christ lives. Let's pray. Father, great God, on this special day that we have, and every Sunday, is a special day because it does celebrate the resurrection. At this time, we get to concentrate more and more on that death, burial, resurrection and how people interact with it and how they were affected emotionally, spiritually. And all through it, we see your very grace and love that's involved in that. Even when we forget, even when we don't understand, your grace is always there. And that is what it's all about. As we are saved because of your great grace, we don't deserve it. And we know that if anyone would like to come to Christ, he will no wise cast out. For all those who call upon him will enter the kingdom of God. Those who call upon the name of the Lord. Lord, it has certainly been an amazing journey that we have if we know you, and it continues on, it's just started when we look to eternity. But in that historical event, what was done in the past, 
we look back at, we look at the cross, and then we see that powerful resurrection, and it's a promise to us that we too, if we trust in you, have everlasting life. Lord, we pray in your Son's name. Amen.